Hello, I'm Daryl Root, and this is News Folder 19. Why the 19? Ah, maybe because the government can't make up its mind when we all become adults. You can go to war and kill people at 18, but you can't drink until you're 21. You can stay on your parents' insurance until you're 26, but they also want you to be able to transgender at 13. Can we settle on one age for everything? 19 sounds good. The overlords overcomplicate everything they touch. That's the motto of this whole show. Please don't forget to subscribe, donate, purchase merchandise, etc. to help support this show. Visit newsfolder19.com slash support. In addition, please share this show with your friends and thank you in advance for anything you do to help this show grow. With that, let's get into the news stories. News story number one. Amazon Ring will now require U.S. law enforcement to obtain a warrant to access doorbell footage from individual users, which, if Amazon was a respectable company, they would have been doing all along. The company announced that it would no longer allow the overlord goon squads to request doorbell footage directly from users in the company's social networking app, Neighbors. The move is an about-face from Ring's long-held screw-the-customer policy that drew the ire of civil liberties and privacy advocates such as myself. Up until this announcement, public safety agencies, including police, were able to ask users to sh- voluntarily share video footage from their Ring cameras rather than seeking warrants to obtain that user data from Amazon. Civil liberties experts have long criticized Amazon's love affair with law enforcement and the company's willingness to facilitate warrantless police investigations by allowing easy access to private security footage from people's homes. Now, at least supposedly, they can only obtain footage from Ring using a warrant. Matthew Gariglia I'm assuming that's how you pronounce it. A senior policy analyst at the Electronic Frontier Foundation said this is a step in the right direction. Amazon previously came under fire for its privacy policies around access to users' footage. In May of 2023, Amazon entered into a 20-year $5.8 million settlement with the Federal Trade Commission that required a company to disclose to its customers how much access it has to their data, which, if you're up on your privacy news, is complete access to all of it, despite what they put in writing. They simply do not listen to their own rules. According to the filing, Amazon's lax privacy policies allowed employees and contractors to view, download, and transfer customers' sensitive video data for their own purposes. Amazon also admitted back in 22 that it had handed police video footage without the customer's consent or a warrant 11 times that year in cases Amazon deemed an emergency. 
However, Grigilia stated, quote, we are also still deeply skeptical about law enforcement and Ring's ability to determine what is or is not an emergency that requires the company to hand over footage without a warrant or user consent, unquote. So here is a simple rule to live by. Assume everything that Ring captures, both visual and audio, will be shared no matter what they tell you. If you're having sex on your porch in the middle of the night, you just might find yourself on Pornhub. Who knows? Don't do it. News story number two. A uranium mine in Arizona located seven miles south of Grand Canyon National Park has begun operations, one of the first in the U.S. to open in eight years. The opening of the Pinion Plain Mine comes as the U.S. seeks to boost domestic production of the mineral uranium needed for nuclear energy and to accelerate the swing away from fossil fuels. However, the mine has opposition from the Havasupi tribe, who fear that its operation could contaminate its sole source of drinking water and damage important cultural sites. Quote, it's a very, very sad situation. situation. It's upsetting a lot of tribes in this region, but I think we all knew this was going to happen, unquote said Carletta Telusi, a former Havasupi council member who has been leading the tribe's opposition to uranium mining. The Pinion Plain Mine lies within the new Navajo National Monument, with a name I'm not even going to try to pronounce, that Joe Biden designated just last year. Uranium mining in the region had ceased for years amid a federal ban on new mining claims around the Grand Canyon. Permitted mines unaffected by the ban sat dormant due to low uranium prices. So why the reversal? The answer is simple. The Green Agenda. An agreement at COP28 to triple nuclear energy production as a means to reduce greenhouse gas emissions has boosted demand, therefore prices. The owners, Energy Fuels Incorporated, began operations at the Pinion Plain Mine in December and has also begun ramping up production at its Pandora and LaSalle mines near Moab, Utah. Another reason? Well... We need to reduce U.S. reliance on Russian-controlled uranium and nuclear fuel because of sanctions. One of my favorite words. The U.S., for the record, still buys uranium from Russia despite sanctions imposed after Russia's 22 invasion of Ukraine. Pinion Plain is expected to be open for 28 months and produce 1.57 million pounds of uranium. That's a lot of uranium. Energy Fuels insists that its operations will not affect aquifers in the region and points out that state regulators have determined that the mine will not impact local water supplies. For the Havasupi Nation, such reassurances are not enough. 
In the Four Corners region of the Southwest, the uranium mining in the 20th century littered the Navajo Nation with abandoned mines and tainted aquifers, leaving a generation of Diné workers and their families with lung cancer and other respiratory illnesses. The tribe, as well as local environmental groups, argue that there's been no extensive study of how groundwater in the region moves and that a plan to undertake long-term study of water impacts, first proposed by the Obama administration, had stalled. The article then goes on to state past experiences, complete with details about disasters. So yes, once again we have the indigenous people going up against supposed progress. This is the bane of the green agenda. Everyone is green until someone wants to build something in their backyard. Then all of a sudden, someone else should suffer the negative aspects of the green agenda, not them. New story number three. A woman has died in southern France after a car hit a roadblock where she was standing. The blockade had been set up by farmers taking part in a growing anti-government protest. The car went through a barricade, at night I might add, and collided with bales of straw piled up to stop traffic in a small town south of Toulouse. Her husband and teenage daughter were seriously injured. The three people in the car were being questioned on suspicion of involuntary manslaughter. If you have heard enough of my podcast, you know what I think of protesters blocking traffic. Drivers should be allowed to run them over. The bigger the person, the more points they collect. Just like the video game Death Race back in the 70s. (laughs) But more seriously, blocking roads can keep fire trucks from putting out fires, ambulances from getting to heart attack victims, and police from catching school shootings in progress. Early results of the investigation suggested the car had not rammed the barrier intentionally. In the dark, the car ran into a wall of straw bales at the roadblock, hit the three people, and only came to a halt when it crashed into a tractor trailer. Why are the farmers protesting? Many feel abandoned in the face of the overhyped climate crisis, with droughts and severe weather conditions, low prices for their products, the difficulty of red tape, green policies such as restrictions on water use, all of which they say are affecting profits. There are also taxes on off-road diesel. They are calling on the government to cut red tape and taxes and ensure better prices for produce. Arnold Gallat, the head of the Young Farmers Union, said, quote, We won't lift the roadblocks until the Prime Minister makes very clear announcements. The time for talking is over. Action is needed, unquote. Well, as a driver on a road, if you are blocking my way, I agree, action is needed. In this case, I should have the right to actively run over your ass. Your issues with the government should not keep someone else from getting what they need to get done, whether it's getting groceries or getting to work or 
helping out somebody in an emergency. The government fears the protest could spread to other people angry about the cost of living and energy prices. So, here's yet another example of what high taxes and overregulation get you. All around the world, we need less government and less regulation, not more. With that, it's time to take a short break. I'll be back in about 40 seconds. Only 15% of podcasters will ever earn a single penny in profit. Yet more continue to record for one reason. They enjoy informing and entertaining. If you'd like to support this show, visit newsfolder19.com and click on the Buy Me a Coffee or Merchandise links. All donations are greatly appreciated. Now, back to the show. Hello and welcome back to News Folder 19. I just need to do my usual shout-outs to Danheim, the provider of the music, and to Susan Kennedy, who does the voiceovers. Also, don't forget to visit CampRidger.net. They are the provider of some great spices for meats, seafood, poultry, chili, etc. That's Camp Ridger Seasonings at CampRidger.net. Net. Well, that's time to get into the final two stories. New story number four. The owners of a Parksley, Virginia food truck filed a federal lawsuit against the town of Parksley and council member Henry Nicholson after the council member repeatedly harassed them and damaged their property and town officials retaliated against them for criticizing town policies. That's right. The lawsuit argues that Nicholson and the town violated numerous constitutional rights when Nicholson came onto their property, cut the food truck's water line, used his position on the town council to lead a charge to ban food trucks, and the town threatened the couple with jail time for operating a permitted food truck. The owners, a married couple from Haiti, came to the U.S. in 2005 having received asylum. They settled in Virginia's eastern shore where they began working for a chicken processing plant, then eventually opened their own business, Ebenezer Variety Store. Gotta love the name, Ebenezer. In June of last year, the couple purchased a one-year food truck permit from the town of Parksley and opened Ebenezer Food Truck, the town's first. While most customers were thrilled, one person was not happy with the truck's presence. Council member Nicholson, who stopped by to rant about how competition from a food truck would hurt established restaurants, as well as to make his false allegations against the business. After some back and forth, Nicholson came onto their property and cut the food truck's water line, causing $1,300 in food spoilage and damaging the truck's equipment. 
Nicholson also tried to stop delivery trucks from dropping off supplies to the food truck and told the couple to, quote, go back to their own country, unquote, in front of several witnesses, I might add. The police were called in, and Nicholson told police that the couple didn't have paperwork to operate a food truck upon which they immediately showed the police the proper paperwork. <laughs> Love it. Then he finally admitted to causing the damage. To make matters worse, Nicholson was finally able to convince the town council to pass his proposed food truck ban, trying to enforce the ban retroactively, meaning prior to their license expiring. The town's attorney even sent a threatening letter alleging the owners had been committing criminal misdemeanors every day they operated their food truck. Each offense was punishable by 30 days in jail and $250 of fines per day. Facing years of incarceration, the couple stopped operating their food truck. They basically were harassed out of business. So yes, the locally elected cartels can be just as bad as the federal Gestapo. Hopefully they win their lawsuit. And I want to thank the Institute of Justice for representing them. And finally, a new story number five. More than one in three Americans believe Israel is committing genocide against the Palestinians. Well, duh. Welcome to common sense. According to the Economist YouGov poll, Roughly equal numbers of adults believe Israel's military campaign against Palestinians, responsible now for over 25,000 deaths, amounts to genocide. 35% say it is, 36% say it isn't, with 29% undecided. So, eh, maybe it is, maybe it's not. Among those surveyed aged 18 to 29, 49% say Israel is committing genocide, with 24% disagreeing. And that's a good point for the youth of America. You do give me hope. You do realize a genocide when you see it. Virtually the same numbers exist for Democrats, who believe 49 to 21% in the genocide characterization. Republicans, however, eh, you're not as bright. You're far more supportive of Israel's actions, with only 18% saying there is a genocide, while 57% say not so. Here's what blows my mind. Democrats, who scream and holler for every woman's right to commit murder against the unborn, suddenly have a reversal of morals when it comes to an obvious genocide. So I guess the purposeful killing of fetuses and genocide have nothing in common. While Republicans, who scream and holler for the rights of the unborn to be born, have no problem condoning an obvious genocide. They too have no problem separating killing fetuses with genocide, but in reverse. What the hell is wrong with people today? Murder against innocent people is murder against innocent people, unless it's in self-defense. 
You can't condone one group of innocent people being killed while condemning another group of innocent people being killed. South Africa claimed more than 50 countries agreed with its assertion that Israel has shown chilling and incontrovertible intent to commit genocide in Gaza during its military response to the Hamas attacks last year. And I wholeheartedly agree. Israel's Prime Minister, Benjamin Hitler Yahoo, said the allegation was false. Quote, he said, We are fighting terrorists. We are fighting lies. Unquote. No, you're not. You're indiscriminately killing Palestinians without an ounce of regard as to whether you kill a Hamas member or not. You've destroyed over half of all buildings in the city of Gaza. That's not going after Hamas. It's destruction for the sake of destruction and high death tolls, just like the Death Race arcade game from an earlier story. The U.S. could stop this instantly. How? Not a single dollar of assistance to Israel for anything until they quit attacking Palestine. And no, you don't get any assistance back retroactively for a mere pause. Every day you attack, you lose money. That's how you stop it. With that, it's time to call it another podcast. You know the mantra, question authority, and always be free. Thank you for listening to News Folder 19. All rights are reserved and unauthorized use is prohibited. However, you may share the podcast links. Till next time, have a great day.